Hey there, Resiliency listeners. Welcome to episode 64 and the first of our four-part parenting series. Before we get started, I want to apologize for getting this episode out so late. I'm in the middle of a transition into full-time private practice and navigating all that goes on with starting a new business. So thank you for continuing to bear with me as I figure things out. So without any further ado, let's get into our intro music and get started. Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resiliency of field workers. Twice a month, co-hosts Steve Finley and Silas West bring you their conversations with long-term field workers or experts in the field of member care with the goal of encouraging you in your life and work of cross-cultural ministry. Hey everybody, welcome back to Resiliency. As I always say with each episode, we'd love to hear feedback from you all, so please feel free to review us on Apple Podcasts, to connect with us on Instagram at Resiliency Podcast, or to write us an email at resiliencypodcast at antiochwaco.com. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas for future episodes, or just let us know that we're doing a good job, or that we're not. And I wanted to make you all aware of one website called WEC International. So there's a lot of member care opportunities out there. What we provide for for our organization isn't the end-all be-all in member care. And WEC International is a website that has brought together a lot of different organizations that do member care, resources that help you in multiple different areas of life, and uh, a lot of different things that can be a one-stop shop for just getting the help that you might need that's specific to your either your region or your specific needs. So please visit wec-usa.org or Google WEC International. It's a really great website with a lot of resources for you. And now let's get started with our episode. Daniel, Melissa, we are super thankful to have you guys on Resiliency with us. This special episode that Silas and I are doing with with various young families on the field. And um, you guys have been there in the Middle East now for six plus years. And during that time have had three sons over that time all on the field. So you're great people for us to have for this particular um, subject matter. And Silas isn't with us today. He's taking a much needed break. So we four are able to be together because Melissa is gently rocking uh, one of her sons, her youngest son, Moses, in her arms as we speak. So, so good to be with y'all this morning here in the States and in the evening there in the Middle East. Yeah. Welcome to Resiliency. Thanks so much. Thrilled to be here. Well, hey, um, we're talking to people who are... uh, have been out on the field at least a term. You guys have been out for two terms. Uh, you're in your third term there serving and and you've just been rearing children. And we all know that living cross-culturally has, has both its extreme challenges, which we wanna talk about some of those today, and also incredible opportunities for adventure and newness and learning and growing and, and gaining fresh eyes and perspective on our lives and also on the world. 
What are some of those things that, that cause you guys to rejoice and to give thanks in terms of rearing your children where you're rearing them and the experiences that they're having? Yeah, I mean, for us, we actually are here by ourselves with no teammates. We have friends, obviously, but it's just us. And um, sometimes the, the challenge is sometimes it's pretty isolating or has been in the past. But I think the fruit of that is as a family, we're really tight, you know, because when you have yeah. each other and that's mostly what you have, it, it, it brings you together. And so I think that that is really a gift from God uh, to get to have that. And with that, just in the line of work that we do, the schedule can be really flexible. And so I feel like as a dad, I get to be with my boys a lot in you know, different times of the day. You know, if I'm going out that night, maybe I get to spend an afternoon with them. You know, if I'm going out with to have coffee late night with somebody, that yeah. means maybe I'll be free in the afternoon to get to spend some time with my guys. And that is really a gift um, that I think that I've grown to appreciate even, you know, more and more uh, yeah, as they get older. And so I think, uh, that is truly a gift of getting to you know live here cross culturally and doing the work that we do, and then I think also just the experiences they get to have, just the adventures they get to go on. You know, uh, we live right by the ocean and the mountains, and so they get to experience just great beauty. You know, we we can drive to the beach and watch turtles uh, being hatched, and you know, it's just it's just amazing things that they get to experience. Um, whereas there's things that they don't get to experience, you know, back home in their home culture. Um, but also, um, yeah, they get, they, they get equally beautiful things here that we love to do with them. That's awesome. I think I would say, I think our kids are just more content with more simple life. Um, we don't have a library. We don't have a children's museum. Well, I think there is one technically like far away, but it's not very good from what I've heard. So a lot of the things that they would have in the States, we don't really have access to. And so it's made them just appreciate simplicity and to be content with a lot less, which is really a gift, I think, for them now and will be a gift for them and serve them as they get older and I mean, along with that, it's kind of like they don't really have as much of a, a pool to choose from for friends. And yeah. so, yeah, they kind of just play with anybody. And it doesn't matter. Like we have a little fellowship we go to on Fridays and there are like preteens in there who will play with their kids and our kids will play with babies or older kids. It doesn't really matter. Like they're so content to play with any kid that's around and um, the same is true cross-culturally. They're content to play with our neighbor's kids, even if they don't speak the same language, you know, and I think mm -hmm. it's really a gift that they're able to um, just enjoy um, other kids and other people, regardless of whether or not they can understand each other or they come from the same culture or they're the same um, age, interested in the same things. And I, I think that's really something that I am thankful yeah. For them for. So yeah. I love you guys recounting your blessings. I mean, just recounting what you're gra grateful for. And I mean, as we know, you guys doing it now for these, you know, half a dozen years and, and Susan and me for nearly 20 on the field. Um, we know what a gift it is to be able to rear your children cross-culturally. 
that said, there are also some challenges, a lot of challenges, in fact. Why don't you guys share some of the specific challenges that you faced there in this in this uh, last six years? Yeah, so a little bit of background on us. We moved overseas in 2015, and six months later, we're pregnant with our first. And so we were barely scratching the surface of culture shock, I think, when that happened. And then from, from there, we've had three. So I think one challenge, which is a broad topic, but has lots of specifics, is that um, culture shock is hard by itself. And then having a child is hard by itself. And combining those two things together was incredibly challenging for us. Um, I think we would both say that was probably one of the hardest seasons of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, I had a really pretty traumatic birth experience. We had our first year in the country we're living in and the health care was not adequate. I ended up in a really life-threatening situation and they didn't have the resources I needed exactly when I needed them. But I mean, God was really faithful and carried us through that and brought me out physically whole but I think it led to kind of a cascading, um, cascading emotional events of, I think I ended up having postpartum depression and anxiety. And because of the culture we lived in, no one asked me, my physician didn't ask me about my mental health. No one talked to me about postpartum depression. And so I found myself months after having our first, just unmotivated to leave the house. Um, I felt anxious all the time. I could hardly fold laundry. I felt like I couldn't get anything done. And so on top of that, we were far from family. And um, that was just a very, I think all of those things were just really real challenges that we faced that, I mean, by the grace of God, we came out the other, the other side. Yeah, I think just not having the resources that we needed and it's, and it's something that already feels really vulnerable and really intense, uh, was really hard. Yeah. So Melissa, by the grace of God, no doubt, but what did the grace of God look like? How, how did y'all come through that? Because you're, you're talking about things that, uh, that could easily, what, I mean, at that minimum almost could send a family home, like, well, we're not going to deal with this. We're going to get to safety or whatever you want to call it. But yet we can talk a little bit more about that, but, but what, how did you make it through that? Yeah, I mean, I think when you're in it, it's hard to see exactly what's happening. You know, you don't understand, you know, it was our first kid, right? So you're like, maybe we're not cut out for this. Maybe, Mm. you know, maybe it is better if we go. It's not that we didn't think about it. You know, I mean, like we prayed prayed about that a few times. Like, Lord, is this, you know, is this what you want us really to be doing? Um, But I mean, I think part of it is the commitment that you make to the Lord in, in moving somewhere, that's the only the first commitment you make, I guess. So I think we kept, we would present it for the Lord and we, we felt the invitation to stay. And, you know, that, that was enough to keep us going mm-hmm. um, as far as the commitment goes. But, you know, the day to day, I think it was a lot of, um, I think you stick to the basics, you get time with Jesus. And even if it doesn't feel like a whole lot's happening that I think that really did sustain us. Um, even if it wasn't like 
you know, it wasn't, you were just flowing, everything was feeling good. It was just kind of like, Lord, here I am, like, help us, help yeah. me. So I think that was, I think that was a lot of it. I think over time, we realized we had to make some changes. And I think it's, it's a transition in when you're at a new kid, it's basically your, your, everything changes in a way it's, it's still the same game, but the rules have changed a bit. And so I think it was a bit of a, we had to adjust what we would do. Um, so I think it, it was being okay to use another analogy. If cross-cultural living and doing the work that we do is like a race, there are times where you have to change the pace a bit. If you're going uphill, it's going to look different if you're, you know, and so I think we realize we have to make some changes so that we get through this season so that we can keep going. You know, yeah. you can you can sprint and you can keep going for a while, but eventually you will either get injured or burn out or something. And so I think we, by the grace of God, we did recognize, hey, like we need to make some changes. And so I think Sabbathing was something that we started being more diligent to do. Um, just getting that rest and with, you know, with little kids, <laughs> sometimes it feels like, what is, uh, what is a Sabbath? But, you know, we just, we, we do our best. You don't, you order food, you try to, you know, cut things out and actually rest on that day. And that's something we've, um, been growing in. And I think, especially during the early days when Melissa's mental health was not where it needed to be, it was, you know, taking a step back in some of the work stuff to make some space, like basically every day for a while, maybe not every day, but we would go to the mall every day because during the summer here, the, the, the heat index is like 120, 125. Nope. You can't go out for a nice, you know, stroll. Right. So we had to get out of the house just for her. Um, but so where do you go? You go to the mall because it's open and it's air conditioned. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think that really helped her. It's not a spiritual thing, but it was, it was good for her. Good for us to get out of the house for, you know, just to see there's a world outside of these walls and a baby, you know, and I think just stuff like that, the just practical things that helped us to keep going during those, uh, those hard weeks and months and make it out the other side. Yeah. I remember during that time, Daniel would basically just, I, I just felt like so unable to do almost anything on my own. Like, I could, I don't, I didn't feel like I could think for myself hardly. So Daniel would just take Josiah and basically lead me to our living room and be mm. like, get time with Jesus. Like I'll take him, you oh. get time with Jesus. And then he would be like, okay, we're getting out of the house. And so I think we're, it was just, yeah, we couldn't have done that if we had kept running the pace we were running at before we had him. Mm -hmm. Like we had to take a step back and say, okay, like we have to find a sustainable rhythm and we have to make it through this bump before we're going to be able to keep going. Like if we want to stay here for the long haul, no. I have to make, Daniel recognized, I think Melissa has to make it mm -hmm. if we're going to make it for the long haul. And right now we're going to have to step a little bit back on language or whatever else it is, because we've got to just take the time that this season is requiring. And so I think that that was a big help was freeing ourselves to be able to slow the pace down a little bit so that I could get better and get where I needed to be and get healing. Yeah. You also did and I did, counseling. I did some counseling and 
I think that that was really helpful just to get some outside opinions because I didn't have, we didn't have much on the ground, but there are resources and that's something we've learned throughout our time overseas as parents is like the resources might be, might not be right in front of you. Like maybe they would be if you were going to church every Sunday and mm-hmm. in the bulletin, like parenting class or there's, yeah. you know, Sunday school to help disciple your teach your kids, give your kids some discipleship tools or give you some discipleship tools. But there they are out there. There are people willing to be resources for you. You just have to you have to ask. You have to let them know what you need. And yeah, so much good stuff there. I love the the partnership. I mean, just way to go, Daniel. Way to go, bud. I commend you. Your wife just commended you. I'm sure there are different seasons where you know, Melissa steps up and, and serves you in the same type of way. And just the encouragement and the, and the, uh, yeah, just taking you by the hand and saying, here we go. Let's, let's take this one step forward right now. That's rich way to go. Any other particular challenges related to parenting your, your kids these years? I mean, we already touched on this a little bit, but it's, it's the idea that, you know, we moved overseas with no kids. Right. And so when you're a single or newly married, you're not really probably maybe smart people do this, but I didn't do this, like observe parents and take notes about what they're doing. I like that or yeah. whatever, you know, like learn from parents, right? You know, but once you have a kid, all of a sudden you realize, I wish I had done that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But by that time we, we were overseas and while we do have some people around us that we really, you know, love and respect the, the way that they parent, it's not like it's plentiful, you know? And so I think a challenge is you feel like, uh, what am I doing? I think every parent feels that, but I think overseas, you, you don't see them around you as much. It is not the yeah. natural overlap. So I think that is a challenge. And I think something that Melissa has done really well at, and I think we, we've both done it, but, you know, asking questions of other parents, like having, I mean, Melissa's in a, a mother's uh, WhatsApp group where you can ask, ask questions about, anything from like homeschool to my kids doing this thing. I have no idea how to get them to stop doing that. You know, just like, you know, very basic, some it's just very basic stuff, but like, you know, you need answers for one. And also sometimes when someone says, I don't know, but my kid does that too, it just helps, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And so I think that kind of thing, and you know, we had a particular behavior issue issue with one of our boys and we didn't know what to do with it. And so we were able to, you know, jump on a call with somebody. So I think we've already touched on that, but just reaching out to other people and getting those resources and asking for help has been key because otherwise you're just kind of left to figure it out by yourself. You know, God's spirit is there to counsel you, but it's, he does that through other people as well. Just reflecting back also to your, the wisdom, Melissa, of you saying, I mean, both of you said, in order to, for us to make it for the long haul, we have to make some adjustments. And we took the time to slow down in some areas and pull back. And, and uh, I'm sure you've, you know, you've sped up in some other areas as you're growing and learning. But just really want to highlight the fact that you guys readily embrace the, the fact that you have permission to take the time to do what's needed to take care of your body, soul, and spirit. And um, I think sometimes people struggle with that, especially in the first term where we're, everything's new and every, you're already overwhelmed and feeling paralyzed by so much of the newness of culture and all that and feeling like an infant 
uh, in a new culture. And then you feel like, well, I got to start doing something. I need to start, you know, I need to start producing results or whatever. And yeah, I mean, fair enough. We want to be productive. We want to be fruitful people, but, um, but we also need to have that marathon mindset and not the sprint mindset. So really commend you for that. Well, hey, just final thing uh, you've, you know, particularly I think with the traumatic birth incident that you guys had with your first child and the ongoing struggles after that, have you guys dealt with much fear, uh, particularly as you reared your boys? You know, sometimes parents think, oh my gosh, what am I doing? We're going to, are we going to ruin our children or something like that? <laughs> have you guys dealt with much fear? And if you have, what fears have you faced and what have you done? Yeah, I mean, I think w- the the scare that we had at the hospital, it, we don't trust the healthcare here, you know, and I, I think there's a certain level of that where it's okay, you know, I think, you know, it's okay to have some apprehensions, but I think it, it at times it's, I, I can be fearful about it, you know, if, with Melissa, she, um, she had, a, it was during a fast, actually, I mean, she had to go to the ER and I, you know. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't trust those people to do anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so that's not particular to parenting our boys, but like if, you know, Josiah a couple of months ago, he jumped on a couch and hurt his neck, you know? Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden you're like, if, he, if he's hurt, I don't trust the doctors to do a good job, you know? So I think it's, that's a fear, you know, is what happens if we really need good healthcare. And right. I think to overcome that, I don't know. I think it's, all you can do is in that moment, go to God and just say, just give it to him. And be like, what else can I do? But trust you. Like I can't fix the healthcare system. I can't do anything about this, but I, I can trust you. And it's not super profound, but that's all you, I think that's all I've been able to do yeah, is sure. to overcome those fears. And we've had two boys since um, our first birth and we actually had our next two not here. And I think that's okay too. I think people encourage us like, Hey, you don't need to be a hero. So like we could have been like, I want to overcome that fear by taking it head on. Yeah. But you know, I think the grace of God was, Hey, like, why don't you go somewhere else and have a baby? And we had a great experience, like just awesome. Like our next two is very, um, but so I think sometimes it's, you have to overcome it. And sometimes God gives grace in a different way. And so I think, yeah. 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 And I think on, along with that, and probably just in general, something that I feel like the Lord's really taught me is I heard someone say once, God gives you grace for everything that happens in your life, but there's no grace for the things that you think are going to happen that never do. Mm. Wow. And so I, um, I feel like that's something that has helped me so much in our first, in our last six years here is just like, yeah. there's no grace for me to think about what could happen to our boys, you know, if some, if they get hurt and we don't, and an ambulance isn't going to come yeah. or those kind of things, like there's no grace for that because it's not happening right now. Hmm. And so I think learning to really, truly be like, don't worry about tomorrow. Like there's enough grace for today. And I think that has been one of the major things he's taught us in our time here with parenting, especially is like, there's no grace for tomorrow. And that's why it feels so like anxiety ridden and so hopeless It's because like his grace is not there. His grace is here today. Wow. And so 
I think that's one of the main ways that we've overcome any of the fears we've had with parenting is there just isn't grace for tomorrow. Like there isn't grace for me to think about what we're going to do for high school because we haven't even started kindergarten. (laughs) And so, because those, I think those would be some of the challenges for me would be, are our kids going to have enough growing up overseas? Like, are they going to have enough friends? Are they going to have like friends that are good enough influence on them? Are they going to have enough educationally, spiritually, emotionally, relationally? Like, are they going to have what they need? It's just a day by day trusting, like he's going to provide when we need friends for him, for our oldest or for any of our boys, like he's going to provide that. But we have to trust that what we have right now is what we need right now. So yeah, such a good word, Melissa, man. Grace for today and trust for what we need tomorrow. That is, that's a great way to end it with you guys right now. What a blessing to hear you share uh, just out of your own lives, out of your own pain, and also just out of the wisdom that God's given you guys and, uh, and the beautiful marriage that you have. I just really want to want to commend you guys and tell you how much we love you and are thankful for you. Thanks for being on Resiliency. Thanks, Thanks so for much. having it's us, so much Thank you for listening to Resiliency. Special thanks to Antioch Music and their original song, Nothing Can Stop, for our intro and our outro music. Tune in again in two weeks for our next episode of Resiliency. Resiliency.